You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. It's Tuesday, July the 26th. If I sound like I have an extra spring in my step, it's because I'm at Goodwood in beautiful sunshine, lovely warmth, and anticipating five fantastic days sport. Quite simply, wherever you are in the world, if you've never been here before, make sure you get here as soon as you can. Because on a day like this, there is no finer place to enjoy the sport of horse racing. And we've got five full days of quality sport. Uh, The news that came through after yesterday's podcast was that it was more than likely that Trushan would run this afternoon with the ground described as good, good to firm in places. We will have to wait, of course, on a final decision from trainer Alan King, but we are anticipating that he will run. In a few moments time, I'll be welcoming in Jane Mangan, the RTE and Racing TV broadcaster. She is at the other great European festival this week at Galway, which is yet more of a marathon, seven days of Galway races. But if we know that somebody has the stamina for that, it'll be Jane Mangan. Um, Not quite such stamina required here at Goodwood. We are looking forward to it. Adam Waterworth is the managing director of events across the whole of the Goodwood sporting estate. It's been a tricky time the last couple of years, but lots to look forward to this week. Adam, are you nervous, excited, both of the above in equal measure? How are you feeling? I don't know if it's an age thing, but I think I get more nervous each. This is sort of the 11th one I've done now. Um, and there is, there's always a bit of nerves, uh, but actually you just open the, you know, you look at the cards and you can't help but get excited, can you? It looks a great week. And, you know, touch wood, everything turns up and, and we should be in for an absolute belter, I think. It feels like only yesterday that you and I were standing here, I think it was two years ago, discussing whether or not you might let a few people in on the Saturday. And then the, the trial day, do you remember the, the pandemic trial day got cancelled at the 11th hour and you were wondering how you were going to claw the money back and how the place was going to survive. How, how, how testing has it been for you in the last 24 months? Um, yeah, I, funny enough, I remember, I remember that week as well. Uh, it, it's been a, we're an events company that couldn't run events mm. I mean it, it, it was it, it and that's was, across the whole estate not just the racing exactly so, so all of our motorsport events uh, and, and the racing calendar was, was obviously decimated horse racing at least came back uh, behind closed doors but it came back but for us I mean behind closed doors it was great to put the sport on but it doesn't do anything for, mm. for our sort of bottom line uh, because we did commit to, to keep on putting some money into prize money and it was it was a very tough 18 months, two years, really tough. So you come here this year, you've actually now had 12 or 14 months to really get back and established again. What can regular Goodwood race goers see the same or, or different this week? Uh, I sort of said this last year, but I must admit it's a bit the same this year. What I'd really want is a normal Goodwood week. Last year, if you remember, we were back. Um, it was just as the restrictions lifted. Mm. So it still felt it didn't a feel subdued it yeah. didn't feel normal it warmed up as the week went on to be fair but you couldn't really say it was a it was a normal uh, goodwood week uh this year it will be uh you know the the amount of excitement around the local area 
the number of people. There was a lot of people who didn't travel. You know, we actually have a, a, a big sort of support that tend to sort of camp down from the north of England for the week. And a lot of those faces weren't here last year. And they're all back this year. So, so uh, I think it will feel much more back to normal uh, than certainly last year did. It, it, it feels like Goodwood Week, doesn't it? It, it feels like glorious Goodwood should feel. So uh, couldn't be more delighted, really. And as far as the racing is concerned, the big hope today is that Trushan will run. You've already had a walk out on the track. You think he will? Uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, the covering of grass is unbelievable. Uh, Andrew and his team have done the most remarkable job, I think, in preparing the track in what has been, you know, the most difficult, well, literally the most difficult with those few days uh, last week of temperatures. Uh, we'll go into the meeting, good, good, firm in places, which is where we sort of aim to be. And as I say, with the covering of grass, um, you know, I, I'd be really hopeful that it'll run. Has it really been 11 years? It's been 11 years. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Still loving it? <laughs> Uh, you can't help but on a morning like this as you say the sun's shining the place is set uh, there's nowhere quite like it all right that was adam waterworth managing director of events here at goodwood as i overlook the paddock and survey this really rather wonderful skyline a little bit of cloud a little bit cooler today but broadly speaking a lovely bright morning and just perfect conditions for for horse racing as i welcome in rte and racing tv broadcaster jane mangan to the show and jane is at the other great festival in europe this week you're a galway jane will you survive uh, more effectively than i will here at goodwood do you think i will have to survive a lot longer because i am here until sunday the seven days kicked off yesterday nick and it was i do feel i'm at the track here it's a little bit of a calm after the storm and again before the storm because last week we or last year even we had a limited restricted number of people in year before that we had absolutely nobody so to walk through the gates yesterday this this track is very much about the people we don't have a sussex stakes we don't have a goodwood cup but what we do have is a brilliant atmosphere very good racing full fields and it was uh it was it was just a joy to be back here yesterday we have got a handicap featuring our car today you've got group one racing but i dare i say the atmosphere is equally as good both sides of the irc rather different probably a little bit more rambunctious at galway and uh, a little more just gentle hum here at uh, goodwood as a um, light aircraft from the nearby goodwood aerodrome just gently putt putts across the sky uh, goodwood cup Jane, we're expecting Trushan to run good, good to firm in places at the moment. And Alan King was saying yesterday that if the ground is as Ed Arkell described it on this podcast, he would run. How much does that add to this year's Goodwood Cup with Stradivarius seeking a fifth after missing out last year and all the talk of the, the jockey and Andrea Razzani back on replacing Frankie Dottori? And um, of course, the Gold Cup winner Kiprios from Ascot. We heard from Fiona Craig about how he hadn't really been given due credit for his victory yesterday. What are your thoughts on the race as a whole? I think with, with Trushan in there, obviously it's crucial that he runs to find out whether he is on decent ground, on fair ground, as good as or better than the best airs around. Because he has won on extremes. He's a dual group one winner in 2021. But we've just we have lost a Trushan on a number of occasions. And yes, he won a handicap off a big weight last time. But this is group ones. These are heavyweight horses. And he is certainly one of those heavyweights. But... Kiprios, I do empathise with Fiona Craig. I can un completely understand why she felt the horse maybe wasn't given due credit after the Ascot Gold Cup because much of the talk was about the race 
as a whole. But Kiprios is the young improver. He's still relatively unexposed and he is a dour horse. I think on this ground, he'll really shine. And Stradivarius, what can you say? He's going for a record extending fifth Goodwood Cup. He's 100% record at the track. And we missed out on him last year due to heavy, heavy ground. So uh, delighted to see him back. Throw in Princess Zoe. We have the Irish angle. I remember standing in Galway, watching on the big screen as Miss United won this race, having won the Galway hurdle the year before. That would add another layer of, uh, of interest from, from an Irish perspective. And Coltrane, Andrew Balding stepping up in class with a good horse in his own right. So this, this year's Goodwood Cup, it's got depth. It's not just about the one or two at the top of the market. This is a proper, proper staying race. All right, call it, Jane. Kiprios to confirm his supremacy and prove that Ascot is not a fluke. And uh, did you agree with Fiona Craig yesterday? She was br- great. I thought she was great value. She was bristling, wasn't she? She was honest. A lot of people feel a lot of things and they don't say it in the public domain and uh, there's no reason why she shouldn't and I, I can understand why um, and I probably myself was guilty of concentrating on the horses in behind but he'll get his time to shine today, he'll get his chance to prove uh, a point and uh, let's see, it's going to be tactical, it's going to be uh, a proper staying contest and uh, I, I think if, if the young horse, he's a four-year-old, if I'm honest, if he can't beat the eight-year-old, I would be disappointed. And Trusha and thrown in there, the six-year-old, I, I just, I cannot confirm in my own head that Trushan is a top drawer stare until he beats the best around in his division on fair ground. So well, here's his. Hang on, even even though he's even though he's smashed up Stradivarius before, and even though he's won a Northumberland Plate with ten stone, whatever it was, ten stone eight on his back. Exactly. Yeah, you still can't have him. You can still can't have him as one of the great stayers until he's until he's done it against Stradivarius and the Gold Cup winner on good ground. Exactly. Okay, you're you're very hard to please. Um, I am, but I th- I don't use the word great um too easily, and I know he's a very very good horse. But if he's a great, then he'll win today. Okay, and this time last year, this podcast was entitled Is There Another Tune in the Old Stradivarius? And he didn't run. Is there another tune in the even older Stradivarius? Um, is there? There could be. Possibly. Again, he, he's, he's a good horse, but uh, he, he's, he's, he's been at his best. Is he, is he currently at his best? I don't think so. He's now an eight-year-old, as I said. If the younger horses aren't good enough to beat him today, I would be somewhat disappointed. Well, we're sitting here talking very seriously about this year's Goodwood Cup. It'll, it'll take a bit of going to, to beat the, the edition 27 years ago. And I just looked over my right shoulder and I, I saw the unmistakable svelte figure of the, of the man who pumped double, tr- <laughs> double trigger to victory over his full brother, Double Eclipse. Tyrone Williams on Double Eclipse. Jason Weaver, of course, ITV broadcaster on, uh, on Double Trigger. 27 years ago, Jason. Oh, my word. Um... Such a lovely turn of phrase, pumped dub- double trigger to success. <laughs> but um, he, um, he needed a bit he, of pumping, oh, though. He, he was such a lazy so and so. I always remember that great quote from um, Bobby Elliott when he did a little piece of work up in Midland. And um, yep, he's only fit for Chipperfield Circus, you know, big flaxen <laughs> mane and tail and four white socks. But um, yeah, notoriously bad jo- judges, jockeys. And um, look, he was a super, super horse, a lot of fun to ride. Kevin Blake, a fellow ITV broadcaster, has just left the table in a very smart Goodwood Panama. Yeah, he's looking sharp, Kevin. He's ready for the afternoon. Um, I asked him what's going to win this week. He said everything Irish. 
Um, so we shall. That's, we shall... Just, a, that's just at Galway. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, look, look, today's race. What an absolute cracker! Um, let's hope they. Let's hope they all go. Um, you know, it's going to be very different. The first time the Qatar Goodwood Festival has started with the rail down the the, the middle-ish. You know, there's going to be a spur so they can get a bit of room on the inside. That can only play to Stradivarius strengths. Um, you know, if, if you were, just playing devil's advocate, if you were in opposition, you'd be absolutely fizzing that the rail was there. But that's going to play into his strengths. Why? Because it gives him a get-out clause, doesn't it? Um, you know, you can drop in, you can ride the perfect, perfect race, handy, no daylight, inside, and it's, you know it's going to open up for you. Whereas, had it been right on the fence, anything that's making the running, it's taken that little bit of advantage away from them. So you can't get the chaos factor that you can at Ascot. Do you think it's an accident, then, if you look through his career, that he's unbeaten at Goodwood and he's unbeaten at York? Two tracks where you can actually get a bit more, a bit more room. Yeah, look, it, it, we all know what happened at, at Ascot, um, and it was an absolute shocker. But... With the configuration of the way the track is going to play today for the first time, he's got his best opportunity. No excuses today. Father Time is the only one who's unbeaten. We'll find out later. Now, one of the regular features of Glorious Goodwood is the Magnolia Cup, which takes place uh, on Thursday, and it takes place before all the rules races are run, and it's a race run for charity over the sprint course here at Goodwood, which is one of the most difficult and demanding in the country, and it's an all-female lineup run for charity. One of the riders this year is Ashley Witchard, who is going to break new ground because she's going to become the first black female mother to ride in a horse race in the UK. You'll know Ashley if you're familiar with racing because you'll have seen her with Neil Mulholland's horses. She's a big part of his yard and has just come back from Jersey with a few of their runners, two of which won, and she joins me now. Um, Ashley, how excited are you about competing in this year's Magnolia Cup? Oh, I can't wait. I, I'm so excited. <laughs> I see everybody else riding the races and, you know, leading the horses up around the paddock and stuff. So to be able to give it a shot myself is just something that I've dreamed of without having a career, if you know what I mean, in, in racing and as a jockey. And it did occur to me, I thought, well, Ashley's probably a pretty accomplished rider she's been at Neil's for a while she's quite well known on the on the West Country circuit uh, shouldn't I just get stuck in now aren't you going to win this race by miles well, I'd like to do you know what I'd like to think so you don't you don't obviously enter a race unless you you want to win but at the same time there's some amazing women um that I'm up against and they'll have their horses and I guess it's it's the partnership of the the jockey and the horse you know we're we're a good partnership, then we could be in with a shot. How much does it mean to you that you are breaking new ground here? That you're the first black female mum to to ride in a in a horse race in Britain? Oh God! Well, I've been obviously I've been working in racing for quite a long time, and there are a few black people um, sort of in the industry, but there are very few black females. So to be able to sort of represent that very small minority is um something i'm really proud of um, and i just hope that you know little girls and, and and boys as well 
know, that can um, see people that look like them in the paddock and, and in the saddle and maybe inspire them to want to do that as they grow up. And given that you don't see many black faces in racing, given that you don't see many black female faces in racing, how has the the racing family been to you during your during your life and career in the sport? Um, I I would say my experience in racing has been probably eighty five to ninety percent positive. I've had very very few. Um, sort of bad experiences regarding the colour of my skin. Um, so that's why I try and share my, my positive sort of experiences. Because I think it's quite easy for people to think about the negative. Um, and I like to think I'm a positive person, so I, I'm not. And what was it about the sport and what was the connection to the sport that really, really hooked you in in the first place? I think it's the fact that you you're sort of putting your life in danger every day. From <laughs> <laughs> the adrenaline rush, um, you know, you're not really in control a, a lot of the time, and and the horses are like a, a puzzle that you have to sort of complete. And in order, if you complete it, then you get the best out of them. Um, so I like to be able to work things out and problem solve. And I think that's why it's sort of why I quite enjoy the working with the horses and you've been um following a career in in horse racing and have, have got to a, a a pretty important position of responsibility in the sport whilst raising your daughter who's who's now 19 we've been talking quite a bit about how you marry being a, a full-time mum and having a job in racing recently and it's something i know that the sport is is particularly concerned with how how have you found that I've been really fortunate. My my family have been so supportive. Um, so I was working split shift to start with, and then my nan would pick Phoenix up from my daughter's school, Phoenix. And so I'd, I'd pick, I'd ask my nan to pick her up from school, and she'd do that. And we use Breakfast Club. Um, and the people that I've worked for have been very flexible as well. So I think that it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You'll always do more for people or go above and beyond for people that would try and do the same thing and make your life easier so fast forward to thursday the horse you're riding how well do you know him or her we had our first date on friday (laughs) (laughs) was it now was it was it was it was it love at first sight or will this forever be unrequited you know i think we got on really well so you know i'm i'm happy with my my noble steed and um that's why I think why I'm quite excited about the day, you know, because, I mean, he's got a ring, I had to ride him in a ring bit, which, <laughs> thinking, oh my God, but um, no, we got on well, and um, I'm, I'm happy with, with my ride. Wishing you all the best, Ashley. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Nick. Well, good luck to, to Ashley Wichard later in the week. What a, a great story that would be. Jane Mangan is back with me. Jane, I want to turn your attention to tomorrow's Sussex Stakes here at Goodwood. I want to turn particularly to the, the three-year-olds and whether the, the classic division is starting, to, is starting to fall apart somewhat with the news of Caribus's defection 
from the Sussex Stakes, he heads to the, the Prijak de Malwa because of the abscess we reported on the show yesterday. I'm talking about in spiral fluffing her lines in the Falmer Stakes. The two in the, the King George not running any kind of a race or to, at all. We're left with Modern Games and Angel Blur as the sole three-year-olds in tomorrow's race against, against Baid. Have we reached a, a point of the season where the, the classic generation is starting to unravel rather more disappointingly than perhaps we'd anticipated? Would it be a little bit premature to jump to that conclusion just yet? When might be. Every... Sorry? Might be. It might be. Just every generation will throw up one or two good horses, top, top horses. We can't expect there to be a plethora every year. And considering we haven't seen the Epsom Derby winner since Epsom, and Tuesday ran in the, in the Irish Derby, you know, it was probably a big ass and she probably didn't. Uh, run her race and she's probably better than we saw that day we have to just hold and we're going to have Nashua in the Nassau uh, I think Emily Upjohn is almost certainly better than what we saw last Saturday so I wouldn't be just making that summation yet it's uh, it's definitely sent out some warning signals but I wouldn't be getting too downbeat yet about the classic generation okay so who, but who are you who are you pinning your hopes on then as really flying the flag for it for the for the rest of the season, we've got to get Desert Crown back sound and and rolling again, haven't we? And and, and uh, we don't really know when he's going to reappear. Fair point. Uh, I would say he could still be top. Uh, I think Tuesday could still be brilliant, and I think the horse in France, uh, Onesto, is very very good as well. So I would agree with that. The Grand Prix de Paris winner. Yeah, so there are three, just to mention three, I think Emily Upjohn, I'm not jumping off that bandwagon yet. A lot of people will say, oh, she's just a list winner. Yeah, I, I, I still think she's a group one caliber filly and, and we're going to have Nashua very hard to oppose um, in the Nassau. So yeah, they're, they're, I suppose we, we, we love to get build up these two-year-olds and we did that with um, maybe Modern Games hasn't lived up to what we thought, but I think maybe he's better over seven. Uh, Native Trail ran a huge race in the Eclipse. He's probably been a little bit like Kiprios in the Gold Cup overlooked because uh, of what happened between um, uh, Mishrif and, and Videni, who's also a top-class three-year-old Videni. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not getting too downbeat yet. Right, it's eyes in the back of your head time because although we've got however many days of Galway and at least five of Goodwood... There's good stuff happening in the United States at the moment with Saratoga and Del Mar in full swing. But the feature race over the weekend took place at neither of those venues. It was at Monmouth Park. It's their big race of the year. The Haskell Stakes in. If we weren't expecting something from Jack Christopher, we were expecting something from Tabor. In the end, neither of them were winners. The winner was Cyberknife. Matt Bernier from NBC Sports joins me now. And Matt, you've been quite positive about the victory of, of Cyberknife for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. Tell me why. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a really lightly raced horse that, in the grand scheme of things, mentally he's not quite caught up to his physical traits. And I think maybe we saw a little bit of a forward step in Saturday's Haskell. Uh, I like his versatility. He's the kind of horse that can lay a little closer to the pace if they're not really running. Or, like he did on Saturday, go to the back, let everybody else kind of duke it out up front and come with a run. And I think the thing that's most encouraging, again, for a horse that's still learning for him to be willing to go into tight spots, take a little bit of kickback, and still be able to punch on, uh, I think it speaks volumes about his potential. He still needs to improve if he's going to run with some of the, the real proper older horses in the United States. But I think I think we're trending the right direction with this one. Okay. Could he end up the year as champion three-year-old? 
He could just simply because it feels like the the triple crown that we had this year that is so fundamental in deciding the year end awards for the three year olds. You figure Rich Strike was a bit of an anomaly. Who knows if we'll ever get a big performance from him again? We'll find out about early voting. He's coming back this coming weekend in the Jim Dandy prepping in theory for the Travers. And he may be leader in the clubhouse at this point because, unfortunately, Mo Donegal, the Belmont winner, is going to be sidelined for the rest of the year uh, with a little bit of a bone bruise. So it feels like if it's not early voting, it really genuinely could be anyone. And Cyberknife now has two grade ones to his name. So uh, he has as good a chance as anyone, especially if he does go to Saratoga and run well in the Travers. Uh, the horse that he defeated is Tabor, uh, owned by Amir Zidane, trained by Bob Baffert, whose record in the Haskell is exceptional. This horse got a little outpaced before rallying. Is he a horse we still have to take seriously? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's still a little bit on the green side. I think the big piece, Mike Smith, after the race, said he just didn't really seem to appreciate the kickback. And if you go back and watch the replay, once he got out into the clear, that's when he really fired down the, down the stretch. So he's still figuring some things out. It's definitely a bit of a red flag if he is one that doesn't really appreciate kickback and he has to be out away from horses because you're not always going to be afforded that kind of a trip but the talent is still immense there's no two ways around that the distances aren't any kind of a problem for him Bob Baffert's even said it at this point now it's just a matter of how do we get to the Breeders' Cup Classic because I think everyone involved feels he is of that caliber okay so it could be that Baffert heads to the Breeders' Cup Classic with a an important runner, which would be quite a story in itself. What about Jack Christopher? We were expecting huge things of him. Was it simply a question that he didn't stay the nine furlongs? Yeah, in my opinion, it is. I mean, this is a horse that, based on his breeding, he is sprint on top and he is a rather cheap mare that's very sprinty on the bottom. There's no real family to speak of from a quality standpoint. So for him to be doing what he's done speaks volumes about his overall ability, considering he's really not bred to do any of this. But then when you factor in the distance, it just felt like he had a pretty good position, all things considered. And for that final furlong, he just came up a little bit flat. Take nothing away from him. The talent is still there. He's still in the great hands of Chad Brown. Uh, I think we'll see a turn back in distance to one-turn races. But year-end, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the two-turn Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile at Keeneland. That's sort of the year-end goal for him. Yeah, you mentioned Mo Donegal, the filly that finished second to him in the Belmont Stakes. Nest, also in the part ownership of Mike Rapoli, came back with a resounding victory in the Coaching Club of America, Oaks. To what extent am I uh, underselling that? Uh, I tell you what, she was fantastic. And if you go back to that Belmont, there was a little bit of sort of scuttlebuzz about what kind of speed figure was earned in that Belmont. Some of the commercial numbers were higher than others. Uh, her performance on Saturday at Saratoga would suggest that the higher end for that Belmont is actually a little bit more accurate. And if you believe that, she's earned a couple of mid-triple-digit buyer speed figure type numbers. That puts her among the fastest three-year-old fillies, but also among the fastest three-year-olds, period. And it sounds like the Alabama at a mile and a quarter for fillies is going to be the goal at Saratoga. But Todd Pletcher didn't totally rule out a possible run in the Travers, depending on what the ownership decides they want to do. But um, purely from a distance standpoint and for as fast as she is, uh, I think there's a very real case to be made that Nest is the best three-year-old filthy in the States here. All right. Could take on Colts in the Travers, and then it opens up all sorts of opportunities. Absolutely. And, and again, she's the kind of horse that it does feel like longer is better for her. So, you know, do you want to go 10 furlongs against boys, whether it's the Travers or at the end of the year in the Breeders' Cup Classic, or do you want to stay against Phillies and Mares in the Breeders' Cup Distaff, knowing that nine furlongs, maybe she's a little bit better going slightly longer. I think the talent is immense. I think she'd be a major player against the girls personally. 
I don't think I would bother running against the boys this year because it's such a talented group, both the three-year-olds and the older. Well, Jane Mangan's still with me and at Galway. So what have we got to look forward to from Galway today, Jane? Well, the, the premier handicap today is the BMW Mile. It's as, as the title would assume, it is a mile, but there's a full field and draws are very, very important. But we must give special mention to Patrick Mullins, who yesterday, after 15 failed attempts, made it 16th time lucky in the uh, Connacht Hotel Qualified Riders Handicap. To a normal person, it would sound, why, why would that be a big milestone? It's a handicap, but that's the derby for the uh, amateurs in the middle of the summer. It's worth over 100 grand. And he did, he got beaten on Sally, a multiple grade one winner. He got beaten on Limony, a top class filly. But my sister, or sorry, Echoes and Rain yesterday uh, in the Barnanstall colours came from stall 21 uh, and gave him probably one of the biggest days of his career. So that was a super father-son team. Um, today is obviously the mile you've got 19 runners in there Edo McGuinness loves this race hence he's got 8 runners uh, Pierre Lapin will be a, a name synonymous with uh, the UK he's back over here now he probably hasn't lived up to uh, expectations given his breathing but he's got a great chance today and of course tomorrow uh, is the big the big one the Galway plate we don't have declarations for Thursday's Galway hurdle yet but tomorrow 22 runners will face the tape for the Galway plate Joseph O'Brien responsible for 4 of them Willie Mullins responsible for three. Top of the market at the moment is former Cheltenham Festival winner, the shunter for Emmett Mullins, who was on the board yesterday in the bumper. Cape Gentleman, again for Emmett Mullins, second favourite. Uh, a very good horse in the flat. Gabby Nacko, second in the Arkle. He's there under Keith Dunhu. Easy game, second in the race last year. And former winner, winner early doors. The Galway plate, for me, is always the star attraction here at Galway. But as I said, there was three winners on the board yes, yesterday for Jessica Harrington. Dermot Weld, who normally dominates Galway, Galway, hit the crossbar in the two-year-old maiden. And um, it's just, it's, I cannot emphasize how good it feels to walk through the turnstiles and meet people who you haven't met in two or three years. I sat down in the hotel for breakfast and I looked around and I saw tables of three generations of families from grandparents to grandchildren. That's what Galway does. It does. I have never experienced it anywhere else in Ireland, what this, what this place can do. It's absolutely full to the brim. And whether you win a handicap hurdle or a bumper or a grade, whatever, this place gets you a rapturous reception and winner's enclosure every time. And uh, it's, it's actually really hard to get into the races here at the moment. The balloting sequence, no horse on the ballot. If you were number one in the ballot for the Galway Plate, you did not get a run. That's how competitive, how much people want to have runners here. Um, it's, it's, it's just wonderful to have the people back in the crowds and, and the, the fields are full. The racing's competitive. The ground is perfect. And we saw, there's a two-year-old maiden today, a Phillies two-year-old maiden. Uh, we saw Hermosa win it a couple of years ago. You just never really know what you're going to see here. I remember watching two-year-old maiden here last year on soft ground and a horse called Buckaroo beat Stone Age. People will look at Galway and think, geez, you couldn't. On, on a track as undulating and as tight as that, good horses run here. You could see anything. So I know there's top class group one horses running at Goodwood, but we might just have them here too, Nick. All right, day one of Goodwood. It is, of course, a World Pool Day, as every day is, and that comes off the back of a, a record-breaking World Pool Day at Ascot at the weekend, which massively outstripped last year's return. Jamie Hart is with me now. Uh, Jamie, um, wind in your sails ahead of a Goodwood week. What's the most exciting thing about day one from a World Pool perspective? 
Well, the most exciting thing is, is having eight eight fields of bigger than seven runners. This is it's one of the biggest uh, days that we've had so far. So we've had some eight runner car, eight race cards um, so far, and they've tended to be the record breakers. And we're, normally they do have one that's a small race. We've done real. If True Shan runs today, I think that will be an extraordinary turnover race. The Stradivarius True Shan Holly Doyle angle that'll probably be the biggest one of the day. And we've got some great supporting cards. So that we're looking for some real records today i think the last uh, we've we've beaten 27 million every day every one of the whirlpool days this year so far and we're looking for that again today i mean would it be fair to say i'm not trying to talk people out of betting into the whirlpool but for some reason holly doyle is a is is, is massively latched onto by hong kong punters yeah, they, fo- they focus on Holly Doyle a lot. I think they did a programme about her that went live over there and uh, she's been had a big following ever since. Um, so she's one to not necessarily put into your exotics, um, and but, you know, it means there's va- it's a seesaw effect. There's value. As soon as something's under value, it means it's there's better value outside in the pool. And, of course, if you're just betting to win, then the total will match the SP anyway, so you'll never be underpaid. All right, so field size is important. Goodwood Cup could be an absolute stonker. Looking through the week, um, what are the what are the likely highlights? I think well, the, the biggest thing really for us this week to get involved with is is, is the Whirlpool betting tournament. So we've been doing those each day, and uh, we've given away uh, just under one hundred eighty thousand pounds to punters just from having their normal bets, and then and then we reward you if you beat our man Jamie Benson. But we also had uh, Rory Delaghi have been have been playing, and they've been regularly in the top ten, and they sh- they share all of their bets. and And if you if, if you don't know really if you're not very familiar with exotic bets and how to build up your trifectas and exactors and stuff like that go for these big these big payouts then i do i do encourage people to follow uh, andrew bounty's at trend horses he's won two of the competitions and he posts up his uh, his uh, selections before the race so there's no real excuse for all of us getting beaten by him when he's telling us what he's going to bet it's like playing poker with cards up but he does keep beating everybody but i think that's probably the the best thing to get involved with is watch those guys that are real experts at playing the pool, like Andrew Mant, Rory Delaghi, and, and, and just have a play yourself across those big exactors and trifectas because that's where they've been making their money. And there's loads of draw biases for the kind of for the anoraks out there and some speed, some pace biases as well at Goodwood because of the strange nature of the track. So there's loads to get your teeth into, especially around those trifectas and exactors. All right, brilliant. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Cheers, Nick. All right, so it is Tuesday, which means, as always, we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's. Their stallion book is the only truly global stallion reference, which, along with its accompanying Global Stallions app and Racing Post website exposure, mean there's only one place to research stallions. Entries for the 2023 editions are now being taken, so contact the Weatherby's team to book your stallion entries. Every single one of Ashford Stud, Coolmore's American division in Kentucky. Every single one of those stallions you can find on the Global Stallions app and three very high-profile ones in the Weatherby Stallion book as well. I say high-profile. This is a stallion station that stands two Triple Crown winners, no less, in American Pharaoh and Justify, but so much more than that. And delighted today to be joined by Robin Murray. Robin, um, Ashford must be a, a phenomenal place to, to work. Uh, you are a, an English native. You come from Middleham. Just tell me about your, your time there, for, for starters. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it is in- incredible, you know, to wake up and come to work and be dealing with the caliber of stallions and mares and 
um, and everything is it's you know it's a bit of a, a dream come true really um, but no I, I started out working on the farm and then moved my way into the office and to the point where um, um, I now assist with the, the sales team and selling stallions and um, yeah it's 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 a, a great job and I'm, I'm very privileged to be here. And people would think well hang on a minute with a roster like that how how hard you need to work to sell American Pharaoh and Justify and Munnings and Uncle Mo and, and, and co. But I guess it's a little more finely nuanced than perhaps I'm giving it credit for, is it? Um, yeah, well, you know, look, it, it kind of, especially at the moment as well, all of the, the stallions across the board are absolutely flying it. And, you know, to a degree, they, they sell themselves. But we are, um, you know, we're in a very tough market. There are some incredible stallions um both proven and coming through in kentucky um, and new ones are being added all the time so you know we have to just stay on our game and but like i said you know the, the horses will do a lot of the talking for you and we're very privileged that they're having a good time of it at the moment and obviously what we've seen is the the experiment to try and create turf horses and dirt horses with american pharaoh and justify give me a give me a mid-season report in 2022 as to how the more established american pharaoh and justify with his first two-year-olds are getting on um well to, to start with justify you know he um has really hit the ground running we've been incredibly impressed with what we've seen so far he's already had five winners he's had two graded stakes winners, one in Ireland and then one here at Saratoga the other week with, with just Cindy. Um, you know, they, they started off pretty early to say that he didn't hit the track until he was three himself. Um, they've kicked on nice and early, which we're really excited to see. And, you know, the fact that he's doing it on turf and dirt as well, he was bred to a very wide spectrum of mares. Um, Mr. Magna and the, the Cornwall partners supported him very heavily with their own broodmare band. But you know, we're also very grateful that breeders from across the world, from Japan, Ireland, England, and then of course here in America, supported him with some of their, their best mares. Um, you know, just to give you an idea, he bred over 70 grade one winners or producers in his first year alone. And the, the, the quality has continued since then. But, um, you know, we're very excited. Obviously, a couple of very impressive Philly statuette um, who's going to point to the Moidler, I believe, and then just Cindy, who won the, the Sky Laval the other week in, in Saratoga. Very exciting prospects. And, you know, he hasn't had a, a ton of runners either. And so to have had three stakes horses already and five winners is really exciting with a lot of nice ones in the pipeline. No, and then American Pharaoh, you know, he continues uh, to impress. He was champion first crop sire, champion second crop sire. He's already had three grade one winners in 2022 so far. Um, so yeah, he's he's continuing uh, his impressive record. So. I was going to say about, about Justify, what he's, a, he's a, a horse with significant heft. What are the sort of main physical characteristics he's passing on to his progeny? Um, oh, I think the first thing to begin with, which is, is very important, just for you know, them to even get to the racetrack, is they have incredible minds. They're very classy. Um, you know, he's a horse that had exceptional balance and, and speed, and he seems to be passing that along as well. But you know, a, a willingness to train is not underestimated. And you know, we have a, a lot of our own justifiers in training here in America and then also um, back in Europe. And it, that's one big common thing is that a lot of the trainers say is all they want to do is please and go out to the track every day. Um, but, you know, I think their athleticism as well, and you know, we're seeing in a lot of their races, some of these horses have been such wide margin, impressive winners, and the class that they've shown is, is really exciting. Uh, American Ferry was notable for his, his great temperament as a racehorse. What, what sort of animal is he now as a stallion? 
Yeah, he is exactly the same, Nick. He has not changed. I mean, it's since he um, since he arrived here after winning the Breeders' Cup to today, he is the same sweet-natured horse. Again, that's something that he passes on to his uh, his progeny as well. Um, but he is happy to be out and to be shown for breeders and tours all day long. Um, a really, really good-natured horse. I want to talk about Uncle Mo. He's chiselled his way up now to a to a latest advertised stud fee of one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. He's been a he's been a sensation, really. This horse, um, and and it, the, the 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 story continues this season with with Mo Donegal winning the Belmont Stakes. Sadly, we're not going to see him for the remainder of the season. Um, how how hard has he had to work to to achieve the status that he has? Well, he starts off, you know, he's an incredibly talented racehorse himself, champion two-year-old from the Champagne and the Breeder Cup, um, and then got sick as a three-year-old, but came back to win the Kelso so impressively. But when he retired, he started off at, at $35,000, which is, you know, nothing to sniff at. A substantial amount of money, um, and but he was, um, you know, very well respected by breeders. Got some nice mares, and he, from the minute that his two-year-olds hit the track, he has just continued on the most impressive upward trajectory. You know, he, he'll get you anything. He gets you anything from a golden pal, the fastest turf sprinter in North America, to a Mo Donegal, a horse that will stretch out and win the Belmont Stakes. Um, you know, he's got some incredibly exciting two-year-old winners this year already. Gulfport was the widest margin ever winner of the um, the Bashford Manor, and he heads to the Saratoga Special, and then Mo Strike obviously won the the Sanford Stakes the other week at Saratoga, and I'll go to the Champagne next. But he he gets you absolutely anything, and as his fee has increased and the better mares have come his way, he's improved no end um and you know he, he's reached the point as well where now obviously not only is he doing it in his own right as a stallion but now as a sire of sires he's really taken it to the next level with nyquist being champion first season sire and you know lesser perhaps known horses like Leoban and outwork um getting incredible runners themselves you know we're very privileged to have motown standing here now who is a, a son of his who won the the Ramsden and the Hollywood Derby, and he's getting it done as a seven. He's got his first runners this year, and he's already had three winners. So, um, you know, he's, he's again, he's a horse that kind of sold himself because the minute he first had, had runners, um, they were incredibly impressive. But he has continued to move forwards, and being a sire of sire now really takes him to the next level. It's incredibly exciting. Now, Robin, everyone likes a challenge, and... The, the marketing of, of Maximum Security, who was one of the most storied horses I can remember, was pretty interesting, to, to say the least. I followed this horse around the world and know full well that he, he was pretty talented. I'm very interested to know how he's gone down with breeders and whether that, whether that marketing has worked and whether people are getting into him, and if they are, with what type of mares. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, Maximum Security is was an incredibly talented racehorse. Obviously, the... Um, has been you know, no end of uh, situations, if you will, with him. But I think the thing that it boils down to is he was such a talented horse. He took his tracks with him. Um, he he worked his way up to the point where he was the first past the post in the, the, the Saudi Cup and whatnot. And I think the thing is, is with him, when, when people came to see him, perhaps they weren't so sure what, what to make of him, but physically he is a beautiful horse. He's very good looking. He's a lot of quality. He's very balanced um, and you know, looks very fast and obviously showed a lot of speed. And 
breeders loved what they saw when they came out to see him. You know, we were really happy with the book of mares that he received in his first year. And he's had a lot of home team support in particular with um, his breeders and racing owners, Gary and Mary West, who always heavily support his own stallion, their own stallions. And he has had his first foals on the ground this year. And we're really liking what they, what we see. Um, they look fast, they're balanced, they're athletic, very quality foals. Um, so, we're, you know, we're looking forward to seeing them in the, the ring here in November when his first foal sell. And we, and we think they'll go down well. And I, and I I was asking you about how how different it is working in in Kentucky from from your experiences in Midland and in, and in Newmarket. Uh, it doesn't sound like you're in any rush to come back. <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm very I'm very happy to to stay here. Um, it's it's a fantastic part of the world that we live in here in just outside of Lexington in Kentucky. We're so close to you know all the different racetracks, churches. Um, it's a very exciting place to be you know there's a lot of a lot of europeans out here anyway and you know the the sales are such an international um event these days that there's always a very big european contingent that come over but you know more than anything i'm just very privileged to be working where i work with the the people and the horses that i work with all right thanks to robin thanks to all my guests today you join me back at goodwood Uh, some some drilling going on of uh, some sponsors advertising hoardings just at the far side of the paddock there just by the the numbers board, uh, Jane Mangan is at, at Galway, so I have to explain to you as well. At the moment, it says, welcome to Goodwood going good to firm in places. So it's good, good to firm in places. And um, a few moments ago, before that was all put up there, some, somebody with a, a, a keen sense of humour had um, put the words Boris for King on, on there. Uh, notice that's been taken down, now the gates have opened. That, that person would good sense of humor was that person blonde and messy yeah blonde with kind of bed hair he's seen, <laughs> seen sneaking in the back gate right bit of news for you before we round this show off a couple of days ago and i'm sorry i was slow on this yesterday uh benoit lasayette who's leading the british apprentice championship at the moment with 31 winners playing harry davis's 30 got a 14 day suspension at chelmsford city two days ago under the non-triers rule suspended for 14 days for failing to take all reasonable permissible measures throughout the race and that he failed to ask for neither real nor substantial effort in the home straight aboard a horse called Ramdan Rocks, trained by Ishmael Mohammed. Yikes. Unless he gets that turned over on an appeal, Jane, um, that he's, that's going to be not quite curtains, but it's going to be make, make his task very difficult, I would have thought. Yeah, missing two weeks and you're only one ahead of Harry Davis. The two of them are eight clear of Ryan Sexton. That's a huge blow. That, that for me, is nearly an unsurmountable task unless Harry Davis himself incurs a suspension. But uh, Ben was operating at a 20% strike rate matched by only Callum Hutchinson in the top 10 of the Apprentice Championship. He's riding a storm, but that's a huge blow and, and probably, as you say, almost certainly curtains for the championship. Right, give me a winner for today. Well, one of the main races at Goodwood today is the Lennox Stakes, and we haven't actually mentioned it too much at three o'clock. I think Lucille, for the three-year-olds, we're talking about the three-year-old generation, Sandrine down the bottom as well, major chance, Sacred is top of the market, but Lucille's been running very good races in top-class company, and I think dropping back to seven will prove ideal for Richard Hannan's Colt. So let's see if Lucille can get his head back in front. That's it. Good. Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back to do it all over again tomorrow. That was Tuesday, July the 26th. Have a wonderful day. Goodwood, Galway, or wherever you are. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.